Thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. Verse 1 to 4, it says this, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is a misdirected zeal. I want you to hold on to that. It is a misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. So refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way in get, of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. All who believe in him are made right with God. <clears throat> so I've read this, I've read this passage so many times. Like, I love the book. Who, who loves Romans? Has anyone read the book of Romans before? If you haven't read the book of Romans, you, you should, you should, you're in for a treat. The book of Romans is wonderful. It's an incredible book. I love it. I've read it so many times. And I've read this passage so many times. To be honest, I've never preached out of this passage before. I've never spoken, spoken out of it. It's kind of, it's in this great chapter where you actually want to get to some other stuff. So you just go through this bit to get to the, some really cool stuff after. Just what I do, Elle. Don't. Don't look at me like that. So, so, um, but this passage in preparation for what God are you saying over our series about, about how to lead someone to Jesus, what do you, what do you, what do you say? And this just emerged out of the passage, the script, scripture for me. I just, in my own journey, I'm reading Romans in my own devotional at the moment. So that's, that's why this is all coming out. But I'm reading it and it just, it smashed me. And I just want to unpack it just really briefly for you. I want to share some other stories from, from some other things. But this one is, is something that's really jumped for me. I want to read it in a bit of a different, a different slant. This is Paul um, on his way to visit Rome. He's not been to Rome before. He's not visited the church in Rome. When he's writing the book of Romans, he's sort of writing uh, a letter in advance of his arriving, saying, look, I'm, I'm really hoping to get there. And I just want to tell you a little bit about my heart, my theology, my, before I even get there. We've never met before, but I kind of love you anyway. We're gonna, it's going to be really great. Um, so he's writing all this stuff down. And, and he's sharing in this passage about his heart. He's a, he's a Jewish guy. He's an Israelite guy. He was one of the key, like a really, you know, uh, incredibly in the right place with the right gifts, with the right training, with the right education, with the right profile to really make it in the world of, the, of, of Pharisees, one, one of the groups of the, the Jewish guys at the time. But he threw it all aside uh, when he encountered Jesus and he started following Jesus. Um, but his heart, even though he's now speaking to Greek and Roman people all around the world, he still has a heart for uh, his cultural background. And so this is a little bit about that, where he says, I long to see the people of Israel saved. That's his cultural group. He, and, and he has a unique understanding because he was, he was following the law to the letter. He has an, they have an enthusiasm. He knows they have an enthusiasm for God, uh, but they are, have a misdirected zeal. And what came out of to me as I'm reading this afresh is this is actually my our experience too, isn't it? When we're thinking about the people who we love the most, who who are far from God, and we see the journey of their heart, um, it 
it's not dissimilar. I want to share this with you. So, so it says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of, and let's just take out Israel for our own benefit right now, our own story, unless you happen to be Jewish and you're that's your context. We can add our own context to this in this, in this regard. It says, um, uh, I, the longing of my heart and prayer to God is for my, the people of this city. You're in Edinburgh. The people of this city, the people of your community, whatever you call your community, your community university, your community in your sports team, your, your, your community, your workplace, your family. The longing of our heart is to see our people around us saved. And I know what enthusiasm they have for God. And maybe it's not God, right? Maybe for the Israelites in, in, in this, it's God, the Jewish God, because their heart uh, have a religious construct and they're, they're seeking God. But many of our friends or many of my friends, many of my family, they don't have God as a context. God is some other thing for them. But that doesn't take it away. Like, like, like they have a, a zeal. They have an enthusiasm for something. They have an enthusiasm for what's going to make their life count and be fulfilled to what's going to take away that hunger and that longing and that gap in them. So maybe for them, it's, they have an enthusiasm <clears throat> for life. They have an enthusiasm for, for some kind of a truth. They have an enthusiasm for fulfillment. They have an enthusiasm for uh, a new start. They have enthusiasm for uh, a clear conscience. They have an enthusiasm for a sense of peace of mind that they can't grapple, they can't find. They have an enthusiasm for something, for, for, for happiness, for a, a promise, for, for reaching something. They have an enthusiasm. But when you meet Jesus, you understand that every other enthusiasm can be simply a misdirected zeal. In fact, my, some of my greatest friends, they're, 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 I respect them in all of these areas. They are ahead of me. They're incredible. They're amazing. But they've got a misdirected zeal for areas of their life. That's the context. I have a family member distant from me. I have a family member who has a misdirected zeal towards rebelling from anything mainstream. And he has since he was a teenager. He, he um, jumped on the Marilyn Manson train before it was the thing, which is, if you're, like, you might be of a generation now that that doesn't even make sense. But, but, but he was, you know, yeah, we have Scott, he, he gets it. But he was, he had a misdirected zeal for rebelling from the mainstream because uh, you know, and into a riotous, continuous culture in his own world with his mates of drinking and partying to excess, like to excess, like he, he dropped out of school and just lived a lifestyle for years and of, of this stuff, and it, it's, 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 it's damaged his world, it's broken his marriage, it's, it's, it's all of these things. I don't have time to break it into it, and it's quite close and personal because it's a family thing, but I watch as he lived with this misdirected zeal, I won't find fulfillment by living a mainstream anything, so I'm going to reject it and go this way. See, the party life promised happiness, but it was misdirected because it was empty in the end. And then his drinking became not a promise of happiness, but at least a promise of unhappiness, a promise of not unhappiness. I'll escape my unhappiness by going to the bottle. But that was misdirected too. I have a close friend who has a misdirected zeal, totally different, towards the, an ideal of scientific discovery and 
um, intellect. And he is one of the smartest guys I know, smartest and funniest. Uh, and, 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 he's, and, and we get on so well, and we hang out all the time, but he can't understand the faith that drives my life. And that's okay. But I watch his life with his misdirected zeal for, if, you know, if I could just discover, if I could just understand, if I could just discover the, the genome of this, this, that, the cause, this, the cause, that, I would be if I could just get that professional fulfillment, if I could just, when I get past this, I'll do this and I'll get a PhD and I'll do that and, I'll, and then I'll be at the top. It promises, there's a promise that promises fulfillment. It promises a, a professional identity. It promises a respect from others. But I bring to his attention, mate, you are pretty advanced for your age and doing all of these things. You've got respect from others already. You've got achievement already. You've got all this stuff happening already, but you're not fulfilled. And who know, who, who knew, who, who often at the top of the peak of your greatest achievement, you'll also find despair. Why? Because it's a misdirected zeal. All of those things are good. But if you're expecting to find yourself at the top of your greatest achievement, it's a misdirected zeal because you'll get there. And like so many celebrities, the curse of the celebrity, the curse of the greats, you'll get to the top and you'll go, oh, I thought I'd be all together by now. I thought, I thought I'd now be good with me. But I've come to the top and found out that it was a misdirected zeal. There are others who believe a relationship, that relationship with that person, when I, get that, when I get married, that that will be it. Others who believe a life of service to others will be it. Or, or, or a life of meditation and mindfulness will be it. Or the elimination of plastic and, and eliminating our carbon footprint will be it. And all of those are so good. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those, but, but to find fulfillment at the end of it is a misdirected zeal. The real carbon footprint that every human heart actually seeks to eliminate is the spiritual carbon footprint of sin. It's the empty hole in the heart. It's the forever seeking restlessness at its core. It's, it, 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 it's this. It's trying to find a rightness with God again, even in your heart, even when you don't understand who God is or if He is or what it all works out. You've got a longing in your heart that can only be fulfilled when it's met with its creator. The scripture says, and it goes on, it says, for they don't, they, our loved ones, even us back in our day, or some of us even now, when we hold Christ in one hand and we still seek fulfillment with another, we, we don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. See, we refuse to accept God's way of fulfillment. And instead, we cling to our own way, all of those other things of getting right with God by trying to keep the law or replace that with our cult context when people aren't keeping any law. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get their own way by seeking that buzz or reaching that top or finding that one or doing that good stuff or rush, 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 rush. But Christ has already accomplished. But Christ has already accomplished 
the purpose for which the law was given. And as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. So the deepest desire and the hunger, the deepest need of your loved ones and your own life is to experience rightness with God. (sighs) That's it. The thing you're seeking is rightness with God. The deepest angst of all humanity is this unrightness with God. It's this disconnected connection. It's this unrightness with our source that causes us to seek in all kinds of places to find a reconnect. But that's okay, because God has a plan to reach humanity. He had a plan, and it's in Christ. He had a plan for you. That's why you're here. He has a plan for me, and he has a plan for those whom you love to truly, truly, truly set them free. And can I share you that plan with you? God's plan to reach your friends for himself is wrapped up in you. He needed someone to get in the life of your friends. You know what he did? He put you there. 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 God's plan is you for the lives of your friends. So, how you doing? <laughs> so, um, I got some cool stories, man. Like because I thought I thought you know what we should do in this series. You know what we should really do in this series. We should, um, we should. We want to, we want to see our friends come to Jesus. We want to see them, and more than that, I want to help you. I want to empower you the best I can to help you in that moment lead them to Jesus. We have a vision for our church. Our vision is that everything that we do in all of the sectors and areas of our life in this city, we would find ourselves influencing the hearts of people to connect with Jesus. And that's all good, well, and said. But how do you do that? So this is what the series is about. Like, how practically can we do that? Um, and and my and um. Alan, who's in the States right now, he preached beautifully and succinctly about how that looks like in the scope of connecting together in twos and threes and in connect groups. Miles unpacked so succinctly also how that looks like in a service. And then I thought, you know what we should hear from? We should hear from some of our people who've had moments where they've met with Jesus and they've gone from not knowing him in, a, in, in, in this life-transforming way into a space where they're, they're, they're um, thriving in him. So do you want to just pause everything and hear some stories? Yeah, this is everything. This is so good. So I asked, I asked some people. I asked, in fact, two of the three people that I asked, for some reason aren't here. I'm not sure it's because they knew that I was going to, or what. But um, I'm sure they wouldn't mind me sharing their names. Okay, so <laughs> that was really unsubtle. You saw, saw me look at somebody. Um, but Aspen... I asked Aspen to share his story with us. He joined, he had a moment with God about two years ago. You're about to hear about it. Uh, And then I asked Amy if she would share her story with us. And she sort of had this God moment maybe, well, like a year or yearish ago. So the sort of couple, because we haven't been to church for that long, so, you know, two years ago and then a year ago. And then I asked Fern, who's not here at the moment. She must have a shift. She's a doctor. She's, um, um, I her to share, and she's recently, recently, in the last three months, made a shaking decision of her life to follow Jesus. And, and so I asked them a bunch of questions. Here's the first question I asked them. I said, I said hey, guys, talk to me. What, what got you into this space? What got you to church, for example? What got you into this space? Fern said, uh, 
I would always say that it was friends who got me in, in, into church. I was too shy to come by myself. I, I, I went, uh, so I went, um, I went with them when I moved here. When, um, if it wasn't for them, um, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to even turn up at church. I mean, that's powerful, isn't it, already? When we talk about who you're going to invite, there are people who want to come. They're just like, oh, I'm not going to come and... Phew. I need somebody to help me, <laughs> invite me, invite me. There's statistics that suggest, and I think they use stickers from the United States, and I know there's cultural differences, but that something like 70% of people are waiting for an invite. They'll say yes if you ask. Aspen said, he, I'm, I was going through a very dark time. And during that time, I happened to meet up with a longtime friend. And I had a good conversation with him. And at some point, he mentioned that he would be going to church the following day. And I thought that was unusual, because this guy's an atheist. And he's got an amazing story, by the way. The, the friend that he's referring to is this guy from, this French guy who was a great, great guy in this church while he was here. He's moved to Germany now. But, but he, was, he was an atheist. He was a stone cold, don't talk to me about God atheist. Except, you know, there's a lot of lovely relationship opportunities in different places and communities. And, and he just, so anyway, he'd be okay with me telling you that. So he came for a different reason. But, but when he came into this space, something happened to him. And then he went away from a cold, hard, don't talk to me about God atheist, into a, you should come to church. And then Aspen said, I'm going through a dark place, I should come. Amy said, I haven't been to church for quite a few years, but I'd always believed in God, and I just felt far from Him at that point in my life. And everything was going on in that point of life. I really felt like I tried everything to improve things, tried to improve my mental health, tried to improve things in my life. And I just felt I'd run out of resources. And so I thought, well, what have I got to lose? If, if I go to church and it's not helpful, at least I tried that too. My next question was, well, what was your experience then? Like, what happened? What happened? Fern said, well, when I came into a place like this, it was completely different to what I expected it to be. The only experience I had growing up was going to a carol service, uh, you know, in school. So church was warmer than I thought, friendlier than I thought, more fun than I thought, more than I expected. And it brought so much understanding to the scripture that I thought that I had ever imagined, especially when comparing to my previous exposures. Aspen said uh, it was very different from what I was expecting, as my experience was much different when I lived in Italy. I felt straight away like I was, it was the right place to be. Like, it felt like my home straight away. In fact, I started immediately to help st serving in the cafe team. That's a good idea. <laughs> if you feel like, you know what, I heard, you should join a team. You don't even have to, you can be on a journey, man. You're like, I don't even know about God, but I've got to help. Is that right, Morag? Morag looks after the cafe team. But there's plenty of places to serve. Incredible. Um, where am I? Uh, yeah, yeah. During the service, I felt this enormous quantity of energy. Because Aspen is Italian and English is a second language, and he puts it in just incredible ways. When he, the, during the service, I felt an enormous quantity of energy. I'm going to just use that. Um, pouring over me. And it was a very important encounter with the Holy Spirit for me. Amy's going to reference a friend called Rebecca, who's a great friend of our church and was here during her old degree, and she's just ditched <laughs> us to move to Dundee, but Perth. Uh, but uh, Rebecca uh, invited Amy along, and Rebecca had given me, says Amy, the, uh, a bit of a heads up 
that it's a different kind of church. (laughs) What's and all that, that's true. So I really had no expectations. But I'm a very open-minded person, and as I came, everybody made me feel welcome. I'd known someone called Miles, he's sitting right there, through, the, through my flatmate, but we'd never met before, but you'd never know that. I felt like I'd, we'd known each other for years. And there's a song, that C, there's a C3 song that we play here called Home. Um, and, it, and, and, and to put some context, Amy is uh, a part of our welcome team. You would have wel- she would have welcomed on the way out. And she deliberately has a song choice on there. And the song choice she always plays is Home. And this is why. You didn't know this until this moment. The reason why she has home on downstairs often is because she loves the meaning of the song and what it mean, meant to her. It, it, this, there's, a, there's, a, there's a line in it that says, I'll never be alone because I know I found my home. We, that was the first song we played this morning. It stuck with me. I was interested, so I said, tell me more. Fern said, this changed, the, the, the change in, the, my expectations were changed. Uh, learning what church was really like completely changed my relationship with God. Before, I'd always been under the impression that God was someone to fear, and he was aloof and far in our world, but I couldn't have been more wrong. I understand God, uh, he, he let me form a close relationship with God. Amy said, in that time, I felt like someone was opening up my heart. I felt really overwhelmed and moved. And I think that's why this pre-service prayer, by the way, we have a pre-service prayer meeting. Bit of context also. If you want to be a part of that, you can come. We have a chapel service. We worship and we just pray. But, but Amy uh, discovered that that's why we do that, uh, um, that we pray before that for other people to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit on that day. And now I do that. I pray for others to feel that too. Incredible, Amy. Okay, now we get down to the real, like, this is, this is I, I was like, that's great. I love our church community. I love our church community, but we, are, we exist to bring glory to Jesus. So tell me about Jesus. What was your experience of saying yes to Jesus? Fern said, uh, for me, there wasn't a one instance of accepting Jesus into my life. It's been a process, one that's ongoing. And that's a good word for everybody. Because sometimes in our uh, church service altar call moment, we, get a, we can get a mistaken idea that salvation's a black and white, uh, you're all in and you're all out type moment. And there is a moment of saying yes to Jesus, but that's preceded by a hundred smaller moments that get you there. And sometimes your friend, right, you're frustrated and you're down because you invited your friend to the Christmas service last year and they laughed at you and they said, I'm never coming to that stupid thing, it's church, what? Because that's how my pals talk. But... Uh, but maybe that's okay. Maybe that's fine. And over the year, you just do life together. You're just doing life together. And all of a sudden, they're noticing there is something about different about Nathan. There's something, he, he, he goes through horrible times, but he always, there's always a hope on the inside of him. Where, where did he get that from? I need that. He's always got a faith. He's got a buoyancy that I can't understand. But he keeps talking about it being Jesus on him, in him. Maybe I will say yes this year. It's just taken me a journey. It's been a process for Fern. The journey was a slow one, starting in her early teens. Uh, she would pray but not really understand what was happening in the prayer. But over time, her, she's understood more about her faith and her decisions have been more informed. Going to church for the first time, um, and not just at Christmas time, was a turning point for me, says Fern, because I felt vulnerable and I opened myself up to God. Moving to Edinburgh was a big decision. To fo- I had a big decision to follow Jesus. 
as I felt the pull on me to come to church was a complete leap of faith. And this is going to be important with her later story. A big leap of faith to drop her entire life and move somewhere to a new place. And then a leap of faith at the Sunday service when she put her hand up as an altar call. And I've just said you don't need an altar call experience, but for some people the most powerful moment of their decision is this altar call moment. And hers was this. It was her time, and I'm going to give this at the end for everybody here. We do every week because we never know where someone's life is at with Jesus. But, but um, she was about her head like she was, we were doing, and she just felt her hand rise. And she said yes, and she was nervous to do it, she says. She says it took a big leap. Each time I've taken that leap because they were leaps for me. And I've been much happier for it. I feel overwhelmed at that moment with the love of Jesus, and I never want to stop feeling that. I'm running out of time, but there's still so much more. Amy said, I didn't raise my hand on the first week, actually, in that altar call moment, but on the second week I did. And I felt really vulnerable when I did this, but it isn't necessarily a bad vulnerable. I think it was a massive turning point in my relationship with Jesus. I built up the courage to accept that I didn't have a relationship with him, and I wanted to take the steps needing to build that. So me raising my hand and praying uh, was about opening up some metaphorical, some door on the inside of me to let Jesus into my heart. Okay, here's the funnest part. What's happened since? Is this not the funnest part? We love to know this part, but what happened since is like, okay, so what? Fern. For me, finding my faith has given me the confidence to go and be the person I need to be. I've been ridiculed in the past of being too shy and too nice. But now something's opened up on the inside. I've got a, a path. And it makes me feel like I want to help other people, spiritually as well as physically, which is important because she's a doctor, so physically. <laughs> Aspen, since my moment with Jesus that day, I feel uh, this need to be at church every Sunday and get involved with something. This has started to shape my life in an awesome way. I gradually defeated depression. Oh, praise God. Built a sense of community, giving more meaning to my own life and living each day with a purpose. Amy, what makes uh, C3 different for me than any other church is that we break down Scripture to apply lessons to our life. And that church community has, has taught me how to apply the Bible to my modern life and has allowed me to become a better version of who I am. Then I finished with this. I said, okay, what would you tell others who are sitting here today deciding what to do with Jesus or are sitting here today trying to decide how and what to say to their friends about following Jesus? All I can say, says Fern, is if your relationship with Jesus is new or you're curious, is that you need to take this leap. It may seem scary or silly, but faith is about taking the first step out of the crowd and into the unknown. For someone who grew up without any religion, I know what that's like. Church uh, and small groups, they're fine. They're so friendly. They're not intimidating, but it can feel that way. But take the step. Any questions are readily answered. If you just want to chat with people, that's okay too, but just don't be afraid to take that step. Amy, be open-minded and allow yourself to hear what can be said and how you can apply it to your life. Be sure in yourself and be proud in your faith. A lot of people think it's really strange to go to church, that I go to church, says Amy, because I don't look like the type of person who might do that. 
But I think it's important to talk about it with your friends because you'd be surprised by people in your friendship group who might be, the idea, might be open to the idea of Jesus. How incredible is that? Um, Aspen, maybe on the podcast you're hearing this. Uh, same with Fern. But Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story. This is a big deal. You should... <clears throat> it's so... You know, for, some, for, for this story about feeling vulnerable, putting up your hand, what they've done is be, allowed themselves to be vulnerable in having me tell their story. So after the service, you should go and give Amy a high five or a hug, whatever's appropriate, and, and, and say thank you for sharing. Um, I, might get the, I might need somebody to help me play, but um, this is where I, have, I had two different directions. Because I was so excited to share these stories, I just just shared them, and I actually have another four pages worth of incredible notes to bring us back to Romans, but I'm not going to have time. So, um, um, Callum, who manages our podcast at the moment, you've suggested that when times like this happen, I, we might organise it so we can throw this other section onto the podcast. Is that a good idea? But I knew this would happen, so I've got another direction to finish our m- moment in our service, and it's essentially just finishing off this chapter 10 of Romans together because I think everything about where we need to be in our leading our friends to Jesus, it rests on this, rest of chapter 10. We've read the first part, that our friends and our loved ones, they are seeking for, they're seeking something and they're incredible people and they're powerful in their ways, but they're just seeking things with a misdirected zeal. And that's okay because they're searching for something. So what do we say? What can we say to that? What can we say in that situation? We can say a couple of things. First is, Jesus is alive. Jesus is active and moving across the planet and reconciling people to himself all of the time. All of the time. People in places that don't have any context of faith in in, in Christianity or in Jesus, people, you hear stories of having dreams where Jesus is appearing to people in dreams. It's incredible. I just read a story uh, on Instagram by a great hero of mine and uh, pastor of C3 Ride in Sydney, who's also planting churches throughout the Middle East in dangerous areas where people don't step foot. He's in um, Syria planting churches. He's in Iraq planting churches. He's in Iran planting churches. And he was, he's in Russia at the moment. You can follow Richard Green on Instagram. I'm telling you, he's just shared a story about a guy who started a C3 church in Russia who, uh, in 1973, when... Uh, communism was the thing, he was sent to a mental health institution because faith was a mental health problem uh, and went to a gulag in um, Siberia for his faith. Um, But God is reaching people every day. That's the point. I don't have... I'm just struck by that story. I wanted to share these stories with you. Firstly, to celebrate what's happening here in the life of our church. Secondly, to encourage you to say yes to Jesus yourself if you're on a journey. And thirdly, because uh, to allow you to see something new about how you might influence the hearts of your friends to encounter Jesus. Through speaking, through inviting, through being for. Here's what we need to take from, from as we continue Romans 10. We've talked about misdirected zeal. Let's talk about directed zeal. Faith's way of getting right with God is says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth and don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back from life again. By the way, what he's saying there is who will do all the work to make all of this faith 
and connectedness with God happen. It says, don't say that. In fact, it says the message that you need for Jesus, the message that you need is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preached. And it's this. Here is a directed zeal. Well-directed zeal. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by opening and declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew or Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Your friends, your loved ones, maybe yourself this morning, the fulfillment of your life is at hand. The fulfillment of their life is closer than they think. It's in their lips. It's a, it's a heart moment. It's a heart decision. And it's simply to believe that Jesus has done the accomplished work. They don't need to seek here, there. They don't need to get to the top. They don't need to do any of that. You don't need to do any of that, my friend. Your fulfillment and your source, your clean conscience, your forgiveness, your, your, your everything has been accomplished on the cross that day. You're free because he's risen. But how can your friends call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him and if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how can anybody tell them without being sent? And that's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. So let me build that backwards as we finish. If your friends are going to receive Jesus and have their life fully, fully fulfilled, fully forgiven, fully made whole, someone needs to be sent to go and talk to them. They need to talk to them about Jesus so he, they can hear about what he's done so that they can believe and be saved from paths that don't lead anywhere into a path that leads everywhere. Would you close your eyes just for a second as we finish this service? Father God, there's a weightiness even in this moment because you have sent us This is not a prayer to send, to, to apply a commission to be sent because we are already assigned as the sent ones. Our, the plan of God over the lives of the people all around us is wrapped up in the people in this room. We are the sent ones, Father God. I pray, Lord, right now over every heart, over every mind, over every life, over every set of circumstances, over every uh, relationship connection, over every loved one. Father God, help us to 
Help us to live the life of the sent ones in a greater way this week, in a greater way this month, in a greater way this year, in sync with you. We sync ourselves up with you. If you're here with every eye closed still, I want to ask you, if you, in this private moment, if I'm doing a lot of talking about seeing people's lives made whole in your life, in, around you, but if you're being honest, just like some of the people's stories that we shared today, you're in a space right now where it's just not you. You're, then your first step is so clear. Say yes to Jesus. Say, say yes to him. Just like Fern and Amy and Aspen have declared in their writing, it, they've never turned back. It's changed their whole world. But it started with a yes. And maybe you've been on a gradual path like Fern. Maybe it's been a, uh, a, it, it's all coming to a head in the moment like Amy. But I'm, I want to give you a moment right now. If you need to say yes to Jesus... Yes to him. Say yes and say, come into my life. I'm opening my heart. Come and say, yeah, I believe that you are who you say you are. You are the son of God, that you died for my sins, that you wanted relationship with me, and I'm sick of doing it my own way. Everything else is misdirected. But I want to say yes to you. If that's you in this place, with every eye closed, I'm about to ask you to raise your hand. Or if you have said yes before, but you've gone some, I don't know, I don't know, you feel like you've gone crazy, you've gone some other direction, and you need to say yes again. You just need to, you just need to sort something out, reestablish something on the inside of you. I'm about to ask you to put up your hand too. And when you do, I'm going to acknowledge it, and I'm going to tell you to put that thing down. But it helps direct prayers afterwards. I can get you a Bible. I want to give you a Bible, pray with you after the service, and set you on your way. In Jesus, in Christ, in Jesus' name. If that's you, Would you put up your hand right now? Who is there this morning? Awesome. And my prayer is that we can do this next part in absolute... um, Solidarity. That's awesome. Amen. Let's finish the service with one more prayer. Usually we finish with a beautiful scripture, but this time I feel like we should finish with prayer again because uh, we've got some prayer work to do. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you to get a couple of names that you could be praying over, praying for people who are close to you, who are far from God. If you are guests with us or are new with us or you didn't get to do that, then can you quickly do that now while I speak? Because we're about to stand and finish the service by praying for them. Have you got them? You're staring like you have them. This is good. Well, then would you stand to your feet? Because we're going to finish this service by praying for them. And if you don't have anything written down, then grab some people who need to know Jesus, that are close in your world, and we're going to pray for them together. We're going to pray that even this year, they take steps closer to Him. We're going to pray for eyes to open up to the hunger of their life. We're going to pray for 
hearts to be softened to meet Jesus. We're going to pray for altar calls to with hands going up. We're going to pray for people choosing Jesus in cafes and at connect groups all over the city. And then we're going to end the service. I'll say amen. I'll bless you and send you on your way. Then you can head out that way and head downstairs. We've got tea and coffee. It's going to be great. Are you ready? Have you got someone? You've got your people? Okay. Close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. And let's begin to pray. Begin to pray and lift your voice. Begin to pray and lift your voice. We said before that there's something about prayer that brings breakthrough. And there's something about hunger that feeds prayer. So let's get hungry right now. Father God, we pray in this place for every single person you've put on our life. Lord, we pray for the, the, the task that you've given us, the mission you've given us, the plan that you've got for us to be in the lives of the precious people that we're in, where, where we love being around, our family members and our roommates, our flatmates, our, our study mates, our, our, our workmates, our, 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 our parents. God, we pray right now, Lord, the ones that you bring to our heart, bring them closer to you. Father God, whether a million miles away or just so close, Father God, we pray that you, take, you move them to take steps closer to you. God, we pray that you soften their hearts in this season. Father God, that you open their eyes in this season because the enemy has tried to blind them. But we say right now in Jesus' name, be, they, they, they see in fresh ways. They see in new ways that, that the hunger starts to stir in them to understand that it won't be fulfilled in any other space but only in Jesus. Father God, we pray for salvations, God, in the life of this church and beyond. We pray for altar calls filled in the life of this church and beyond. Father God, we pray for people of this church to have the moment of leading their friends and family members to Jesus across tables even this year. In fact, we pray for 2019 and 20 that every single person in this room has the opportunity to lead one of their heart people, one of their family members to Jesus. God, we pray that this year every person has a story of leading someone closer to you. Father God, because your hunger is to know them. And we say, yes, we are the sent ones to be a part of your story. We pray for them and we will not stop. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bless you guys. Have an incredible week.